Welcome to Take Brain Talk with your girl Flavella Fong Gang. And today I'm gonna fuel your brain with some bomb knowledge. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hello everyone, you're gonna love this episode. This is a story of Funga and Demira. She's a she started as a nurse and she became a multi-entrepreneur millionaire and she's now a health tech disruptor. She could have stopped, but she's carrying on because she saw a bigger change. And she's a founder of Checkup Health, which is a, a fantastic health app. And we're going to learn in terms of how she's not only created her own digital transformation model, focusing on minority, on diversity, on and cultural um, diversity, but also how she used her, her past knowledge and adversity and challenges to become such a great success and all the impact that she's made so far. So enjoy this episode. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tech Brand Talk. Have you been telling your friend about Tech Brand Talk? Have you been liking the post? Have you been sharing the post? If you have, I really love you. On a serious note, I'm super excited. Today I have a fantastic woman, a fantastic tech, health tech disruptor entrepreneur, and uh, I'm going to share with you the story of Funga and Demira, and we're going to have a great conversation with her. She is a successful multi-entrepreneur, angel investor, business mentor, and a STEM ambassador. She's the founder of Checkup Health, the only health app with cultural and BAME engagement metrics, helping healthcare organizations from GP practices to corporate organizations monitor proactively and effectively support patients from various backgrounds, offering multi, multilingual options. She is the creator of the All Dots Digital Transformation Model, and there's so much more you want to know about this woman. You know, just to say that she has over 20 years of experience in entrepreneurship, digital transformation, culture, and BAME health behaviors, which we're going to talk about. She arrived in the UK as an immigrant and could barely speak English. Sounds like my story. And she's done so much more since then. Funga, it's such a pleasure to have you. How are you? I am very well, Flavia. It's lovely and beautiful outside. And so thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. I must say, <laughs> think about depending on when people listen to this episode, hopefully that it's also sunny in your heart. But here we are. So Fungai, obviously, as I introduced you, you have had a phenomenal journey and um, really just to showcase how much resilient and how much you're passionate about what you do. But can you take us back a bit more in terms of your journey and what was your haha moment? Wow. You know, life has got an amazing way of showing up and helping us through our experiences to build our resilience. And I think that really pushes us to where we are supposed to be. So for me, my journey is a funny one because actually I am a nurse by profession, then got into UK with my one suitcase, turned up, worked for a year as a nurse. And I knew that in my heart, there was something more, right? So as soon as I worked for a year straight away, my entrepreneurship journey started. And I've been doing this for the last 20 years in the healthcare sector in the UK. It's been an absolutely amazing journey with so many ups and downs. And my health tech journey, aha moment was born out of a very difficult moment. My dad and my father-in-law passed away a wake up at, believe it or not, in 2014. And it was, this was due to undiagnosed diabetes. And they were both non-hypertensive patients. Uh, is hypertensive patients, right? So related to cardiovascular diseases. And so the memories of those events so close together in a time where we least expected have lived with me. But rather than pushing me into a dark space, 
they pushed me into a space where I wanted to learn and research more about what is it about cardiovascular diseases, specific to diabetes and hypertension, that was causing, you know, our elders to die. And then when I was thinking about it, the much more I researched about it, the much more I realized that actually these diseases are more related to our race. And not only are they more related to our race, they were the top diseases that were causing people to die early. And so literally that was like a funny aha moment, right? But honestly, that's how it really happened for me. Mm. It's really sad, you know, that... um... And, uh, and, and amazing at the same time that sometimes life can put us for over the most terrible challenges, especially losing people that we love. But it's about being stronger and, and be able to see the bigger picture. What am I supposed to see beyond just mm. that moment that is painful? And that's, that's what you've done. Absolutely, absolutely. And actually, as I was researching, for example, research in the UK has showed us repeatedly that the health sector has inequality issues. And actually, ethnic groups across the UK, they struggle to access healthcare and to deal with adverse experiences, right, in the system. Mm. And then they also face inequitable health outcomes compared to others. And so you can realize that in that whole basket, I am part of the people who are being counted. My my dad, my father-in-law would have been part of the people who are being counted. But I guess if I hadn't had that adverse experience, I probably would not have researched more into this. So I really agree Mm. with you on what you've said, that sometimes we know it's very difficult when life throws very sad and difficult moments. But I think if we look closer into what is it that we are supposed to be doing with those experiences, probably we realize that that's when our, you know, our, our bigger selves are going to be born of the impact or the change that we are going to bring to the table, right? 100%, 100%. 100%, 100%. I'm going to challenge you because I think maybe for the pessimists out there who think that why is she talking about everybody can have access to health, this is not a problem, you know, and um, I don't I don't see where this is causing, why is this an issue? What would you say to people, to the naysayers who think that is no access, the access to health is not a problem? Wow, I think you could think like that up until you experience it, right? So experience is the best mm-hmm. teacher. So for me, Good example, if I hadn't gone into uh, entrepreneurship or into business, these are the things, your experience is something that is not taught in school. It's not something that you can touch. It's not something that up until you experience it. So my message to those people is what empowers you to learn and know and understand research further about something if, if you take interest and get understanding. But definitely accessibility is one of the major contributors to health inequalities. And actually a study in the UK again, or another study found out that only 52% of black and Asian groups within the UK reported clearly understanding, minimizing the risks of contracting or spreading diseases. And this research was done during the COVID-19 when most people were dying, 71% uh, um, of people were dying more so you can realize that up until the topic is closer to you, you, you are not going to be knowledgeable. So I encourage people to read into what's happening and get involved and engage in the conversations. Absolutely. It's such a wise answer. A wise answer. And I think it's that someone else in, in, the, in another episode said to me that you, if you've never been poor, you can understand it. You know, you have to go for certain challenges or, 
are people around you been through this for you to understand it. But my question to you now, we know recognize there's a problem and how can we solve it? And also tell us what is Checkup Health doing to solve this issue? Right. So I think number one, let's get involved in the conversations. We all may not have answers to what other people are experiencing, but I think if we take keen interest and get involved, then we are going to learn more. Hence, we are having this conversation, right? Because if people are going to listen, they are going to take interest. And then secondly, we realize that the, the pandemic has kind of thrown us into the digital space where we, we are now digitizing and moving into this space. And it, it's moving at such a lightning speed. Yet, we do have a groups of people who actually don't even know that this is happening and who don't even know how they are going to get involved into it. And number three, how they are going to be served in terms of how their health needs are going to be met. So where we come in with Checkup Health, we are saying that we have created a digital solution straight from scratch that focuses on ensuring that this group of people is not left behind. And actually what we did to support what I'm saying is that during the pandemic uh, in 2020, Innovate UK was inviting organizations to come forward with uh, solutions that they think would solve some of the problems. And we went forward with a simple uh, project proposal where we were saying that during the pandemic, we've already got, again, our group of people who are known to suffer from diabetes and hypertension, chronic patients whose needs were being shifted aside because the focus was on was going to be on COVID. And we realized that if these people are not managed, the impact of their chronic diseases becoming worse and turning into fatalities was going to be more. So we went forward with a proposal that with our solution, we could help these patients remotely monitor their health at home, give, give them the, the devices, track their health, and then as, as they were putting their results on the system, there would be a clinician, the other end, who would be analyzing their results and then supporting them with decision-making. And actually, we were successful with that bid, right? And we did the project in January 2021 to April 2020. And the results that we got were absolutely amazing. We got amazing feedback. The patients were saying they felt that somebody cared. They felt that if digital tools are, are presented to them in such a packaged manner, in a way that they can trust, for example, and in a yes. way that they can understand with people that look like them and speak languages like them, they would feel comfortable monitoring their health at home and they have that accessibility now so that's how we are now doing it we are now helping this demographic to continue monitor their health at home and that's one way we've done it so i think there are so many ways we can do it but it's about understanding uh the needs of the people that we want to serve and figuring out how we are going to continue to to support them to reduce the fatalities yes i mean you're giving me so much juice and i feel like i want to ask you 25 million questions but i think some of the things that you say that are so important you talk about care i think before we feel that somebody care i think that's probably one of the biggest issues when we look at the nhs system we feel that nobody cares about us we neglect it we heard about so many issues in terms of neglect um and that's just regular press you know for the nhs um industry in the sector um then trust yeah trust do we trust you know the the, the doctors that, you know, in terms of a um, you know, prescription or the diagnostic, if I say that correctly, mm -hmm. and the control. I think that's one thing that it's frustrating for us as 
human that we don't feel like we can have control of our health because we are being a wait, long waiting list and just, you know, the, the, yeah, the lack of control and, and as you say, again, accessibility. And that's probably the major um, issues within the health sector right now. And it's good to see that you are, you are using your technology to do that and so much more can be done. And that's such a great start to see exactly the actual problem if, of the health sector. When I think about digital transformation, I think about some of the things that you, you mentioned, but what do you think digital transformation is important from the point of view of reducing disparity and doing it the right way? Because we know there's a lot of, there are many apps out there, health apps, who pretend to do the right thing, but you know you test them and they don't do the work. So where do you think digital transformation is failing and how can we make it better? Uh, yeah, so thank you so much for asking that question. So for me, when I was researching, that led me to thinking about the exact question that you've raised, right? And when I looked at it, that's how I came up with my old dot health digital transformation model because I, I looked at everything and I thought, okay, let me consolidate it. And then in my transformation model, I look at six areas. In these six areas, they look at the inequitable access to user-centered technologies designed for every patient. And when we talk about that, we are looking at have, does the device or the technology think about the culture and the languages of those people that it's going to serve? Um, because if it doesn't address their needs in a way that they feel it's addressing their need, they are not going to even accept what you are offering to them at the table. So we have got the heart to reach the vulnerable groups that we think, okay, we must be giving them devices. But when we are developing the devices, are we thinking about their culture? Is the device talking to them in a, in a structure or in a way that addresses their cultural needs? Or is the technology addressing their, um, their feel or their look? You know, so we look at the design, the feel, and as long as that thing is made in a way that it's going to address those things, somebody is going to accept it better than others. And that's where artificial intelligence comes into play wherein you have got ethnic minority people getting involved even at the design stage of a product to make sure that the way the product is going to interact with the person speaks to them in a way that they are going to understand and accept. And then the inequitable access to medical expertise. So we look at the experts that are providing the care and the health. They will need to have, be able to understand the culture and understand the languages of the people that they are serving. Because otherwise, again, people are going to feel left out. And that acceptance um, plays a big role in terms of when you visit a practitioner, are you going to feel that they are competent to serve you? One good example I can give you, I was speaking to a young person. She's a young professional in healthcare, and she was having issues, mental health-related issues, where she felt that she needed to speak to someone. But the issues were more related to culture and where she comes from and the issues that she was having at home with her mom. And when she visited the practitioner, when she got, the minute she walked in and when she saw the practitioner, she just felt that this person wasn't going to understand my problems. And so from the time she sat in the chair sharing her story to the practitioner, the practitioner showed on her face that she was not getting what the young person was trying to put across. So she felt that she shut down. And then by the time she left that room, she felt she hadn't been helped. And so that's, that's a good example I can give that 
when we talk about cultural competency and professional people who can meet your needs, we are looking at things that are beyond the look or the skin color, but being served with somebody who knows the problems that you're going through at home. So if they are going to help you, they are going to understand where you're coming from and you are going to be confident that they will serve you and meet your needs. And then the, the, the third one was inequitable access to reliable, trusted health information. Now we understand that there is big issues around trust in the system. And for ethnic minorities, these trusts goes, go back many years with researches and things that have happened in the past where people have felt that they are not going to trust the system. And so we have got a lot of work to do to try and help people accept the current way of offering them healthcare that we are now introducing. And so bringing these people to the table requires people who look like them, people who talk like them, people who speak in the languages that they understand to be coming at the table and saying, yes, guys, come forward, let's go together. And yes, you can trust the system. Yes, you can trust uh, the products that we are bringing. And then as long as the products now are written in the languages that they understand, it's going to be making it's going to make it much easier for them to accept. So that's one area that we should never think we should neglect uh, when we are bringing these um, solutions forward. And then inequitable support to access health and monitor preventative tools and interventions. So we are looking at then again, are the people that we are saying they are coming forward or or, or the market that we want to serve? Do we have the devices that we are offering available and accessible to them? Because if we are saying we are bringing digital transformation and we are not providing the tools to the vulnerable people and to the poor populations, how are we going to make sure that they have access? So that's, those are the things that we need to think about. And then when we are providing the tools, are the tools competent in terms of language, look and feel? for them to feel that they can use them? Are they competent and easy to use? For example, if somebody is an ethnic minority person, then they are disabled. Do we have tools that is going to tick the boxes for their minority language? Do we, is the tool accessible enough and has got accessibility options for them to use for the disability that they have? So these are all very complex areas that we need to think about, but we definitely have got to Think about them so that accessibility for tools is inequitable for everyone. And then, yeah, and then the next point is interoperability and collaboration. So while we have got all these tools and all these solutions that we are bringing forward, are we thinking around making sure that we, we don't end up with our users having uh, product fatigue where they, they have got a phone for this and then they've got a blood pressure machine for this and then they've got another tool for this. How are we making going to make sure that it's they're all inter, interoperable to make it easier for the user to probably end up just using one? And how about the clinicians rather than then having 220 dashboards? How are we thinking about the clinicians also making sure that they are not working overtime trying to understand the tools and focus to what they need to focus on? And look at have them having one dashboard, you know. At the moment, clinicians I'm speaking to, they are suffering from um, tools and systems fatigue, literally, because they have got that many tools that they have to use to to consult a patient, one patient. So yeah, we mm. have to think around, along those lines. And then the last one is inequitable representation in public health system and services. So I was looking at this point, the reason why I brought it forward was 
Because the point I have is when data is not representative and inclusive, the analysis and the use of this data will be inherently inequitable. But when thoroughly designed digital technologies can improve representation within health system data and increases access to health services for individuals otherwise disenfranchised from care. So that's really my, my, my key points for that, Flavila. I hope I have kind yeah. of opened it you up, did. but it's yes. not so short. <laughs> yes, you did. I think it was a great, I think it's an answer that needed a complex and, uh, response. I ask you a complex question, so we needed a complex response. And I think really just showcase how much, um, you know, the health care system cannot be addressed in one singular a solution because we are dealing with individuals with different behavior who have, you know, trust issues, just depending on their background of the relationship they have with the health sector that needs to be taken into consideration. And the best people who can understand that is people who like you who, are, who understand, you know, the, the, the minorities understand, the, you know, the diversity from the black community, Asian community, or, you know, all sorts of different religions and so forth. And I think it's, it really just showcase how complex it is, and it cannot be have a one single solution for everybody. If I, if I, if if the NHS <laughs> was listening to this podcast right now, what would you want them to understand? I would want to understand. I would want them to understand that there is not going to be one size fit all answer for these issues, but collaboration with the NHS working with private players in the marketplace like, like ourselves who are niche into meeting the needs of the ethnic minorities, we have got a bigger we have got a bigger stake to offer to the NHS in helping them address the inequalities and reduce the debts and also reduce the spend. Because at the moment, so much is being done in trying to say, let's address inequalities. But it, it quite so much feels so superficial, right? Because it's not delving deeper into the actual issues of this demographic. And so we bring to the table, as the person who is the ethnic minority, I, can, I have access to the group and I have clear understanding because I am ethnic minority. Mm, love it. I think it's such a great way to end the first part of this episode. And I will see you in a couple of seconds. You are listening to Tech Brains Talk, a conversation on the strategy of becoming a remarkable individual and creating iconic tech brands. Your host is Flavilla von Gang, author, speaker, and founder of Three Colors Rule, a creative branding and marketing agency for tech companies. For more information, go to threecolorsrule.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please help us by telling your friends and rating us a five stars on iTunes. Thank you. Now, back to where we left it off. All right, we're back. I don't know for you, but I felt that the first part of this episode with Fungi was phenomenal. And I think there's so much, you know, I quite often say that you have to go back and listen to an episode twice. I think you have to go back and listen to this episode three times because I think there's a lot of takeaway. And, you know, we have, um, everybody has a different relationship with the health sector. Whether you're poor, whether you're wealthy, your relationship will be different. Whether you're black, whether you're Asian, whether you're a woman, whether you are Muslim, your relationship will be different. And I think what was clear from what she shared is that, you know, there's not one solution fit for, fit for all. And therefore, it's important to work with tech disruptors who understand, you know, different groups and can provide solutions adapted for this. Beyond that, I think it's important because I think about, about what I do with my own initiatives is that there's so much trust from certain groups when they know that it's represented by people of color. 
And, you know, this is a, we talked about care, you know, the lack of care. We talk about the issue of trust. We talk about the lack of control. We talk about accessibility and there's so much more need to be addressed. But Funga, you, you know, um, I think, you know, what you share was fantastic from a point of view in terms of your digital transformation model that we can find on your website as well. But I want to, I want to find out more in terms of what have you done in terms of the impact and changes that Checkup Health has made so far, whatever it is in the UK or maybe beyond. Oh, thank you so much, Flavilla. And this is a good conversation to be having. Um, and I hope our listeners are getting some nuggets and I'll be more than happy to answer any questions. They find it information on my website. So, so far in the UK, like I said, we have done the BAME project that was focused on the BAME patients. And believe it or not, we aimed to support only 70 patients with the funding that was provided. But we ended up having more than 500 patients subscribe onto our platform for monitoring their health at home, specific to diabetes and hypertension. And up to now, we have already got more than 2,600 users that are using the platform all the time to monitor their health at home. So you can see that there is an increase in uptake and in acceptance of use of the system. But the difference that we have noticed the how to do it is we continue to engage with these communities on a one-to-one -one basis, working in collaboration with local charities that are specific to BAME. And they've got volunteers who actually visit the patient groups and continue to give them the support so that that trust is continuously built. And then beyond mm. the United Kingdom, actually our flagship location was set up in Zimbabwe in 2017 because we knew mm. and understood that we wanted to focus on this demographic Zimbabwe was a good location to start, number one, because that's where I'm born and that's where I come from and I understand the culture and the people. And number two, following my dad and my father-in-law's passing away, we had learned that some of the barriers or some of the issues that were complex contributing to them not wanting to monitor their health was related to religion and beliefs. So we wanted mm. to improve our system in terms of how do we monitor or, in, or infuse religion and beliefs into our system when we are triaging or looking after patients to see their behaviors, right? And it's been an interesting journey. So, so far we've served more than 25,000 patients that are on our system. And we use the same model where we collaborate with local churches and church leaders and religious leaders, and also the cultural and belief leaders in the ecosystem. So you realize that in our ethnic minority uh, communities, you have to collaborate with the leaders because once you've done that, then you've got access to the people. So it's quite interesting mm -hmm. what we are learning and using that knowledge to perfect and improve our system in terms of understanding different cultures and different behaviors. So yeah, so far that's where we are and we are excited about um, the things that are happening. I was recently in Zimbabwe where we launched and with the support of the government of Zimbabwe, they are now encouraging us to open more locations and more centers for managing patients digitally. And by the way, these clinics and these services are paperless as well. So it's yeah. quite interesting how that journey is uh, evolving. That's amazing. I think there's one thing that first, you know, never thought that you have to go for, you know, for religious minister to have support of the engagement of, you know, of an audience, but it's amazing that how important it is. And as for every entrepreneur listening to this podcast is, Stay, don't stay too far away from your audience. And I think that's why staying on the ground and really understanding, having conversation helps you make sure that your product is relevant. And I've seen so many times where people, 
create this and make so many assumptions and actually don't test or don't have conversation to see what why people are not using it. But I think you've done a great work in make sure that you don't stay too far away from reality. And I think that's super key to also start with with what you know. You know, as you say, use your flagship was Zimbabwe because that's what you understood before making a change, you know, start moving to a new territory. Another learnings people get another learnings for all our tech entrepreneurs out there. You know, we mentioned at the beginning that you were a nurse. Being a nurse, do you think being a nurse um, had an influence in terms of how you think about or how you act as a health tech disruptor? Oh, absolutely. It's, it has given me an amazing foundation. So I am always encouraging, actually, uh, people who are in different professions, specific to healthcare, um, with the information that you can be a, tech, a technology disruptor, even with your qualification where you are. Because for me, my nursing knowledge plus my entrepreneurship journey, business knowledge has helped me to create disruptive and innovative solutions because I apply my knowledge and my understanding and my experience into what I do every day. So definitely it has given me a good understanding. And that's what makes me unique as an entrepreneur. I, I 100% believe that because if you put me in a group or in a class of people who have learned these things theoretically, and they don't have the experience side, I come out much better because of the experience and then plus the knowledge, then the innovative side of me. So it's kind of a, a sweet spot, really. <laughs> Amazing. So what's next for Checkup Health? How far are you taking the brand? What's your vision? Wow. My vision is to take Checkup Health Global, addressing the needs of the ethnic minorities and making it the one-stop AI-driven um, tech solution that brings... Uh, uh, one stop that brings solutions for ethnic minorities and bringing them the practitioners, the solutions and the products that they need and that they can trust. So we are currently on our road to investment. So we are looking for our first round for investment with investors who are willing to come forward and support this journey. So it's going to be an amazing Amazing. journey, really. Yeah. Amazing. I would would advise anybody who has money to invest to invest right now because you're definitely working with a superwoman, and I think there's so much we can learn. But we know the road to entrepreneurship is not easy, and we we, we fail, <laughs> we fail so many times, wow. yeah. and we learn so much. So, what has been some of your biggest learnings? Oh my gosh! So I could write a book as big as a Bible. <laughs> my experience has been absolutely crazy. But if you ask me if I could change a thing, I wouldn't, because mm. that those difficult times is what really has been my university, you know? So now through my experiences of challenges, I now understand the law in terms of those specific areas where I failed the most, right? And I have to go through it, whether it's legal system and seeking legal support or accounting system and having to understand complex accounts, but it's only through experience. I don't think any university could could have prepared me for 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 what I've done, and hence the results of now my innovation and the results of my tenacity, the results of my my bravery, all comes from having been into those very deep and very dark, difficult moments in my business journey. So, to anybody listening, um, I'm sorry to say this to you, but you are gonna have to uh, accept that only through your difficult moments, your very, very difficult and darkest moments is the 
the greatest you is born, really. Honestly, that's been, mm-hmm. it's been like that for me. So I can testify to it 100%. Yes, the school of life is tough. I think it's probably the, the toughest school that you can probably do. And, and there's no end, there's no graduation. <laughs> it carries on, carries on. And, and I think it's that, you know, I always say to people, you either win or you either learn. But, you know, it's, it's the moment of challenge that makes you stronger. And that's so beautiful. Is there anything that you wish you knew sooner? Yes, I wish I knew sooner that, you know, nothing, absolutely nothing can stop you from becoming who you are meant to be. And fear is the opposite of strength. I wish I knew that sooner I would have focused more on my strengths and and not wallow in my fears, literally. (laughs) I could be somewhere Mm. much better by now. So, yeah, don't wallow on your fears. Focus on your challenges and look for that one lesson that is buried and hidden in your challenges right now. And if you can do that, just pick that and run with it. Yes, love that. My last question is always my favorite question, it's, and it's about legacy. If you wow. think about how you would like to be remembered, tell me, how would you like to be remembered, Fungai? I want to be remembered as the woman who came to the UK and transformed the way the system looks at ethnic minorities and transformed the lives of migrant community and transform the lives of the digital transformation journey for the ethnic minorities. And lastly, I would like to encourage everyone who's thinking of becoming an entrepreneur that don't think twice, three times, somebody is waiting for your solution right now and you must run with it. So yeah, definitely, that's it. (laughs) That's such a great way to, to define your legacy. Funga, I'm sure you're going to have some fun. So tell us, how can we reach out to you? What's the best way? Do you have a website? Do you LinkedIn? Tell us, where are you? Thank you. Yeah, so, so much for professional conversations. Find me on LinkedIn. And my name is always the same, by the way. So find me on LinkedIn, Funga Indemira. And I am excited because my YouTube channel is absolutely vibrant. I always post something. So on YouTube, Funga Indemira, under the Dreamblazers Academy handle. And on Instagram, I'm Funga Indemira, where we can share all things fun, but informative, motivative, and inspirational. So yeah, those are my platforms where I play around and you always find me there. Thank you so much. And I've got, finally, I've got a website. Finally, I've got a website (laughs) where I'm now putting the digital transformation model. You can find there and you can find all my content relating to my passion, why I do what I do. And by the way, my story, I've shared it as well on my YouTube channel of how I started, why and how the death of my dad and my father-in-law has transformed my life. So it will be interesting for you to watch those and, and let me know your thoughts. Wow. What a phenomenal woman. I really advise you to follow her. I follow her and she's fantastic. You know, if you feel a bit deflated, go and check out what Funga is sharing. She's a really phenomenal woman and somebody that can really inspire you day by day. Funga, it was such a pleasure to have you. And for all our listeners, I think that it was one of the, those episodes that you, you know, you want to share. You want to listen to it again because uh, we talked about so many things that will make you reevaluate, you know, the way you think about health for yourself, but also maybe, you know, you maybe rethink, you know, the deficient norms that need to be improved. And that's what being an entrepreneur and being a tech disruptor is about. And uh, I hope that you enjoy. So see you very soon. Bye, everyone. Mm-hmm.